Yet another podcast about how three of us are old. I like the part where they just start naming types of shots. <laughs> Lemon drop! <laughs> Sounds ooh, like Cookie ooh. Monster. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear the Cookie Monster version of this song yep. now. <laughs> like a good Cookie Monster version would be socks, 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 socks. That's all about how like you wear socks and makes your feet more comfy, but you slip around a little bit. Cookie Monster sing about socks, though. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I feel like you guys do not know Cookie Monster at all. <laughs> This is the Stack Exchange Podcast, episode 67, recorded Tuesday, August 11th, 2015, at Stack Exchange headquarters in New York City, New York, where 8 million people enjoy the benefits of democracy and walk past many locations made world famous by the movie Ghostbusters. (laughs) Today's podcast is brought to you by the Stockwell Garage, a large bus garage in Stockwell, London, England. I should say garage. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, the Stockwell Garage, which could originally hold 200 buses, has been a grade two star listed building since 1988. On today's podcast, VP of Gross and Communions, Jay Hanlon. Good afternoon. I like that title. VP of Programming, David Fullerton. Hey. From Maker Bass, it's Adil Dash. Oh, thank Maker you. Base. Maker Base. It's makerbay.se. Hello, Anil. Hi, it's almost good to be here. Okay. <laughs> We've been trying to get you on the podcast. For nine years. Days. Nine days. And remote desktop producer, Abby. Good to almost be here. I'm your host, Joel Spolsky. Welcome back, you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Woohoo. Okay. Seriously, it didn't occur to me that they say gar- garage. Garage? Garage. No, they pronounce, garage. It, they pronounce it laboratory, I believe. The lift. It's pronounced lift. Yes. Very well. So wait, how has Anil never been on this podcast before? He was never invited was a big factor. Dirty lie. Dirty lies. Not Ooh, true. Well, this is awkward. We'll now grip all the outgoing email of this company. <laughs> 300 or 400 messages that you ignored. That's yeah, right. It's just, you know, busy. Time flies. Also, I was never invited. Anil is a member of the board of directors of Stack Overflow. That's true. That happened. Should we give a little bit of Anil's background for like the three people that don't follow him on Twitter? Right? Yeah. Does anybody not follow him on no. Twitter? Well, first of all, he comes free with a Twitter account. <laughs> that's right. So that's why that a lot really of people already it. know I, who he Unless it's shovelware on a Windows laptop. <laughs> <laughs> I like this little sticker. When you buy a PC, there's a little yeah. sticker of Anil yeah. pointing at I'm you. I'm going to do that with <laughs> LinkyDink.in, my new social network. I'm going to give away free Anil Dash with Uh-oh. your LinkyDink Ghost membership. Ghost producer Abby just posted an email from... February 2014, inviting Anil to be on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's only two years ago. You know, if facts are of interest to you, I'm not your friend. (laughs) So I guess many of our listeners may know Anil from Twitter. Anil has 556,000 Twitter followers. I think it may be you who pointed this out, Anil. That is slightly more than Ted Cruz and a little fewer than Bjork. Yeah, that's where I sit in the world. What about Donald Trump? You have Donald Trump beat? I don't know. It's never occurred to me to wonder. No, sorry. So you're on our board. One of the ways we know Anil, of course, is he's on our board. Anil is on the board of, I think, every cool company in New York or charity. You're on the board of the Data Society Research Institute, Mm -hmm. the Lower East Side Girls Club. That's true. That happened. The New York Tech Meetup, Mm -hmm. which actually signed you and Joel share in common, very early pioneers of, I think, promoting the New York City tech scene. Yeah. In addition to blogging, obviously. Oh, we'll come back to blogging. You were an advisor to Medium. Yep. To Donors Choose. Boy, this sounds like I do a lot more than (laughs) I do. So listen, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to tell you how I felt at the end of this. You were a founder of Activate, which I think still exists as a yeah, digital yeah. and media consulting organization. Mm-hmm. Co-founder with Gina Trapani. Trapani, mm-hmm. that right? Most famous, I think, Gina, uh, well-known for Lifehacker. Yep. One of my favorite early online sites. But you guys started ThinkUp, 
which is both the name of the company and also think up as the first product That's we'll right. talk a little bit about hopefully and MakerBase, which is new. Yep. You co-created, Will Cole's going to be so excited, you co-created MoreGraph, the first system to take Bitcoin for something as a digital ID. Yeah, Monograph. Yeah, yeah, that's Mon- right. Oh, sorry, did I say it right? What did I say? Yeah. Monogram? Moneygram? Moneygram. Yeah, you invented, you invented Moneygram. the Moneygram, yeah, which is awesome. Right. Yeah. To help people in desperate situations send money since 1964. <laughs> or 1764, one of those. What? Wow. Are you still, you're the head of Expert Labs? We ended Expert Labs. That was an experiment. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It concluded and it became it, Ask Patents. That's right. <laughs> <In a sense. laughs> Expert yeah. Labs was like, you were like an API between the tech community and the government. In a lot of ways, yeah. There's a lot of complicated concepts. So blogging, you were probably most famous, the quotes I looked up, longtime blogger and technology evangelist was like the most kind of common but you were blogging. I like this quote that you thought you were late to the party when you started blogging. Oh, totally. Well, Joel was already blogging and like, you know, Dave Weiner. I already had three or four posts out. And like 50 other people. So I was You're like, oh, this is 50 bloggers. So I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm like, just to be clear, this was 1999. Is that accurate roughly? Yeah, that's right. So in 1999, just to be clear, in 1997, one of the most popular blogs at the time was still called The Zine. Yeah. Which oh, for you sure. kids out there, a zine is like a magazine Zines people make themselves by cutting out things. Wait, what blog was there in 97? How can zines it's be like, back? It's uh, like Cam Barrett or No, but what was it? What was it? Oh, that? it was... Uh, oh, I should... Boing, boing? Uh, no, it was... No, um, boing, 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 boing. The, so 1994 yeah. is believed to be the origin of blogging. It was like one dude at like Swarthmore. His name was Justin Hall. Justin Hall. Justin's yeah. links from uh, the underground. Links, links. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Dave Weiner was like had a well-known blog until 97. Justin didn't... He just had a different page every month. It wasn't really a blog. He eventually did a real... Like a real blog manual. Yeah, but I don't think... The original thing was not really of that format. I'm really... In 2015, a what is blogging conversation. It was more like a personal (laughs) online website. (laughs) The point is, Anil invented blogging. That's the point. Let's just all agree to that and move on. So the website that was one of the early, the misanthropic bitch was the one that was quoted in the Wikipedia article as one of the most Uh, popular in 1997, still called That one didn't feel like a blog to me. But I mean, the point is, there were personal websites and some of them were bloggish and yeah. People have been doing it for a long time. You had to write your own software to do it back in yeah. the day. That was so I cool. Used That's Notepad. why it was only cool people. <laughs> I used Notepad until Blogger came out. Yeah. So Anil has been doing this for an incredibly long time. I like when you were describing yourself as late to the party. The author of the Vanity Fair article writing about it pointed out that at the time you were describing, the writer for VanityFair.com was three years old. <laughs> you were yeah, describing yourself nice. as late to the party. <laughs> it's rather young for a Vanity Fair <laughs> writer. <laughs> that's Bijan Everett. I don't know if he's still a Vanity Fair, but yeah. Is he still three? He looks it. He looks youthful. I resent it. He wasn't three when writing the article, I don't think. Okay, I must have misinterpreted. And as I understand it, you were also, you were Prince's number one fan. Is that true? Not number one, but I'm like top five. Big Prince fan. Who's a bigger Prince fan than you are? Questlove. Because he has more access. Does that, I feel like if you're doing it without access. Once you get access, you lose, you just get You're no longer a fan, right? It's easier for you. I don't know. What you're doing without having that access. Definition definition of what is a blog and definition of what is a fan (laughs) Yes. Are the two... Have you listened to this podcast? Yeah, I have, I unfortunately. Mean, before you came on, I mean, what do you think we do around here? I don't know. I feel like I'm being set up for like, well, we want the worst one yet. <laughs> it's all... That's, that's what we go for bad. every time. I don't even have like an airline analogy to use to explain how off course we are. Oh. <laughs> I will say I was going through... I, I've known Neil a while now and I was going through his history and reading all these things that he invented. It was like the first person to ever do. But the worst part of the whole experience was I learned that he's basically i think about two weeks older than i am which makes me think the window i have to do anything remotely similarly useful with my life is rapidly closing yeah i am not optimistic you can try the strategy this is what i recommend is do a lot of things poorly (laughs) (laughs) that 
It's, I'm already doing that. And then hope people misremember. I'm horizontally scaling. I'm way ahead of that game. <laughs> so let's talk about your current project. Yeah. Well, the all-consuming thing has been MakerBase, which it's IMDB for people that make like apps and sites and stuff. Like it's very simple, which is in contrast to every single other thing you mentioned, which is like complicated and convoluted and hard to understand. Yes. And so Gina Trapani, you know, my co-founder, she's been telling me for like five years, like, that's a really good idea. We should do that. And I'm, you know, I don't know. And finally, like back in January, she's like, either you're going to shut the hell up about it or we're going to build it. And when I say we, it's like mostly her because she can actually she does code. The coding. Yeah, I'm like, I'm a lousy coder. I'm like the person in the question about some jQuery thing voting up the wrong answer. Like that's, <laughs> uh, I'm that guy. Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, what simpleton is doing this on the side? That's me. That's <laughs> Who how I voted contribute. for this answer? Right, exactly. That's me. Oh. I contribute in that way. You're a learner. You're learning. I'm like, that's what we call it. I have you. a lot to learn. That's right. But so Gina built the site and I kind of sat around and watched and- <laughs> And then we launched Stood it. nearby supportively. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm very, super encouraging. Like, I think it's great that talented people do things while I stand by and take credit. And so we launched MakerBase last week. It's been cool. People are, like, adding their projects. Anybody can edit. It's like Wikipedia. It's got a lot of good press. The Verge picked it. I mean, it's a lot of talking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if I search for myself here. Yeah, Tom's you're in there. Ski. Somebody added you. You're there. Yeah, but it's incomplete. Okay, it says Trello and Stack Overflow. That's good. Can I add some more stuff? You can add project. everything. So that's the whole thing is you can add whatever you did. So I signed up did. this morning. Sorry, I was a little late to the party. I no, feel I like. was excited. I saw you on there. I was like, hey, look. A couple weeks late. No, that's, I you're guess, right on time. I mean, I guess it's the whole model. But what's interesting is this idea, it's kind of Stack Overflow-like in the sense of, I mean, as far as I can tell, anybody can just go in and edit anything. Yeah. Right? So Joel mm -hmm. Spolsky is in here. It doesn't actually have to mean that he, you know, he's signed up or has an account because somebody else added him to Trello and Stack Overflow. Yeah. So it's got kind of this like wiki, like anybody mm -hmm. can edit and add stuff and it's very open and... It's the trickiest part we've had. So the good thing about that is people are filling stuff out and like they're, you know, so like Joel has fans, so people want to fill it out and say, oh, I think this guy's cool because he made this thing. Yeah. And then it's also confusing to people because they're like, well, there's a page about me and I didn't make it and can I edit it? Because on Wikipedia, you're not allowed to edit a page, I guess, about yourself. Yeah. So we're just teaching people all that stuff. That's just normal community learning and, you know failures in the design on my part. But sort of putting that aside, I think what the response has been for everybody I talked to that just builds is like, oh yeah, I want this list. I want to see. And this is how long this idea has been kicking around. You remember when Path came out mm -hmm. like yeah. five years ago and it had the like the really cool menus, like the hamburger menu or whatever. And I was like, who did that design? Secret. Yeah. How do you know? And I want to know. And, uh, and Dave so that, Marin has a bespoke application that makes uh, signs. You know, that. poor That's guy's why. never going to live down that one interview. <laughs> I actually, like, I feel Sorry, bad for him. Subject of Vanity Fair, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, Joel added Microsoft Excel VBA yeah. to his Yeah, did it just show up? Yeah. Nice. The magic of software, as Bill Gates used to say. But you were talking about sort of the motivation behind it. Just that, that I wanted to see and I wanted to ask questions and I wanted to see who made stuff. And then also I think a lot of people... I mean, I think, Joel, you can speak to this, too. It's like, if you're a founder, you get a whole lot of credit. You get all the credit. Yeah, for stuff that you didn't even do. Yeah. And that was also... Too much. Yeah. There's always people on Twitter saying, Bill Gates, why did you blah, 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 right, right, right. right. You know, whatever. DLL. Why did you make VBA so shitty? You get Excel, bug right? reports all the time. Anytime Stack Overflows down or something's broken, they ping Joel on Twitter they and do. then he's going to be mean, like... The, the abuse is one thing or like the blame for the bugs, but it's also like the credit, like the good stuff. So like, oh, this feature is so great. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, I didn't, I had nothing to do I with that. I didn't even, I don't entirely know how it worked. I had sort of a weird moment because I was like, what should I add for myself? Well, I work on Stack Overflow, but then it's like, so-and-so made Stack Overflow. And I was mm -hmm. like, I don't make Stack Overflow. I like, yeah. I 
helped a little bit, but I kind of came in after it was made. It felt a little weird to like put myself up there and be like, David Fullerton made Stack Overflow. So we did a couple things. One is the date ranges. So you can just say sort of times when you were there, because I think that's a really, that's a key thing is like, you know, were you there for version one, version two of a, you know, a desktop app or something. I think we're going to get into more granular projects. Like, you know, it shouldn't be Twitter. It should be Twitter for iOS. You know, and it should be, you know, like for Facebook, it could be like just the top menu bar. Like I'm sure that's somebody, you know, entire team's project. (laughs) It's probably a whole building. So there's nothing stopping people from adding those things right now. No, no, no. Not at all. I think it's just a learned behavior that'll emerge. I mean, it's been a week. Is there a way to append, like if David writes, like I made Stack Overflow, can I add the word worse at the end? Is that like (laughs) that kind of... So, you know, anybody can edit anybody else's role on a project so you can describe and it's there's no like it's not like job titles it's supposed to be like a kind of a, a tweet length description of well i did this and this and this got it so yes i like that there's a little bit of a throwback to like in the early days of where like people were making software that actual people used and consumed like it reminded me of the old days of like video games where like mm. roberta williams like i knew mm-hmm. who she was because she wrote a lot of those yeah. King's quest games herself in the early Well, and like Activision existed because the creators wanted credit that they weren't getting from Atari. David Crane? Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So, I mean, I think, and like, not just coders, but everybody has had that sort of creative impulse for a long time. Like, I don't ask for much. I just want credit for what I made. And the thing that's bananas to me is I can be like randomly going through Netflix, put something on for two seconds, see some character actor in the background Google it, and two seconds later, have the entire history of every movie he's ever been in. It's J.T. Walsh. It's always J.T. Walsh. And then then I can go to an app that I spend all day in on my phone and be like, I want to know who, just the product manager, top level. And there's no idea who it was. And I spend, I don't know, 50 times more time on apps than I do watching movies. Yeah. Like, it's not even close. Yeah, that's a good point. You could just tweet, who the hell made... I could, but yeah. I, you know, I'm very fortunate in that regard. <laughs> and I could just tweet at Anil, yeah. could you ask? Could you ask? That's actually like... the engine behind MakerBase is Anil's Twitter account. <laughs> when someone creates a stub, he tweets out an ask. Yeah, did it. that's really, that's the next feature. I'm a human API. I think it's cool. The other thing that's striking about it, and I guess don't take this the wrong way, but it feels like it's very basic, right? It's very simple. It feels like you know, kind of releasing something and then seeing where it goes as opposed to, you know, this is this whole, you know, overblown, architecture. overblown, super architected UNL project. Diagrams. I mean, it's, it just seems to have sort of two things, right? There's makers and there's projects. Yeah, that's, it. Um, that's it. And like descriptions and use of time ranges. So, so some stuff there, but mostly I, th- I always think it's interesting to see these things where the idea is not to make complicated software, but to kind of make something simple and see where people take it and then yeah. support that. Very strong. I mean, some of this is just reasonable constraints. I mean, Gina and I built it <laughs> as two of us on the side of actually running our other product. Like, it was a very, yeah. you know, constrained thing in that regard. But also, I mean, we took stuff out. Like, it was really like... Oh, yeah? Yeah, like, I really just... Like, I just wanted makers and projects. And so there's a lot of things that aren't there. Like, there's no job titles to describe what you did. There's no companies at all. Uh-huh. There's just projects and makers. Mm-hmm. Because almost everybody I know, like, the most interesting things they do even if it became their job, started as like a side project or they were a contributor on the weekends. And that stuff was way more interesting to me than like, you know, who funded you and like all these other weird things that come out of showing a lot more data. Mm-hmm. But that's, we talk about that internally a lot here too, right? When we think about sort of 
developer is what do you, what do you build right like what what do you work on that excites you is sort of one of the most interesting i think that's a cool focus yeah the trouble is you tell that to 80 percent of all people working as programmers today and you're just going to make them sad i write the software that counts the sandwich well. buns that get used in the cafeteria at a finance corporation well that's what i did on tuesday and then on wednesday i installed you know microsoft office 1998 for the 12 people <laughs> yeah. in the front office but and i think then, even i mean and i've been and that coder spent, and that was after having spent six months doing nothing absolutely nothing yeah, I mean, I've, I've been that coder and I've had that job, but I think you still have like, oh, I made a one-off website with my friend over the weekend and it was just for our rotisserie baseball league. The interesting yeah. developers do. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's the thing is there's still that You can always of, find something to work on. Yeah, that one little project. And it's also, I don't think MakerBase is for everybody in the world. I think it's for people that make stuff on the internet. Well, who's not welcome? Tell us who's not allowed. <laughs> don't you want to? <laughs> like you specifically. You, is, it, is it like, is what it based you on- What do you make, Please tell me. Yeah. I've been wondering for years. Yeah. What exactly do you do here? <laughs> I feel like your job security Wait, can be, there's some sort of inverse relationship with how often your boss asks again what it is exactly you do around here. It's never <laughs> As so long great. as it's not, what's your name again? I think you're okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, In other companies, that's like the elevator conversation that everyone fears, but that's so. Jay's every day. Every day, Joel comes into his office like, who, who are you again? I don't, that's my whole career. I'm kind of like, people are like, I don't understand what all these things are and how they could possibly relate. I'm like, yes, that's good. Yeah, yeah. When Anil comes to board meetings, everyone's like, who, who is this again? This guy again? Mm -hmm. what, yeah. What? Anil, MakerBase was a little bit of a pivot off of something, wasn't Oh, God, it? you said that word. Yeah. <laughs> That's, thank you. Thanks. May your family pivot as well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... They're pivoting in their grave right now. That sounded like some sort of old insult with which yeah, I am not familiar, but it didn't sound nice. Yeah, serious. No, I mean, it's, I, I guess that's accurate. I, I mean, I think we're just a company that has two products. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's, it's like I noticed you had a second child. Yeah. Tell us about why you pivoted away from the first one exactly. Is it was were people not really interacting with them? Were what did they you not find unsatisfying you about your first child that what led I meant you to, to want ask a second? Was, <laughs> what was your first product and why is it insufficiently stimulating yeah. for you? Think up is sort of a social media analytics, but way more interesting than that sounds. It's for people to hook up to like your Twitter and your Facebook and your Instagram account and it'll tell you, oh, well, you know, these are the people who are your biggest fans this week or this is when you said something funny or you've been cursing a little too much. You could probably dial it down and it, it's sort of very human scale. And it is a really fun product that a lot of people love, but not a whole lot of people love. And so it's one of the things where in the interest of having a business that would sustain itself and also the fun of making something that a lot of people were interested mm -hmm. in. And also because we had this idea. I mean, I, I don't think anything other than MakerBase, we would have made a second product, but it was just something that was sort of stuck in my head, you know? And so we just said, well, we can reuse a lot of this and, and build something else really quickly that we like as well. So we do both. But yeah. I mean, think of was going gangbusters actually. And for its users, it's been fun because like we added the Instagram features and they really like it. But Instagram? Yeah. And that idea <laughs> of like... Is that related to your MoneyGram project that you started Money out with? Does that kind of take you back to that? Or? Yeah, it's exactly. Very related. Twitter? Dinky dink. Think up is cool. We were joking before about Ashley Madison, which might be sort of taking wonderful technology and using it for the basest, worst possible <laughs> right. thing on the planet. How can it make people unhappy? Right. How do you use technology to make the world worse? Think up, and I'll tell you, I, I, I never, lives? I actually didn't use it because I, I basically send like two tweets a year. Right, yeah. It's for power users for sure. And I just didn't have enough stuff on it. But I actually loved, 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 loved the concept. I've been reading a lot about how people were experiencing social media in some ways that were positive and some that were negative. Like I read mm -hmm. people who wrote about like, when you wake up, like how Facebook makes a lot of people feel worse about themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's like a college reunion, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Or it's your high school. It's like taking you back yeah. to like everyone's best story and you feel bad. 
And what I loved about Think Up was it was almost like this combination of like, how do you make social media reinforce and make you feel good about your life and positive? Mm. And how do you use it to like inform who you want to be and which like part of it was sort of like, are you reflecting on yourself? Are you reflecting out? And I thought it was just such a focus on sort of positivity yeah. and how a technology could be used that was kind of awesome. And you don't, you see people trying to sell that as an idea to sell their actual thing to make money. That seemed <laughs> to be the legitimate goal of this. Yeah. That was its sort of core product function. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think broadly, one of the kind of great areas that almost all software doesn't really engage with is our emotions. And so like, I appreciate that very much. Like we want it to be positive, but I don't think it's relentlessly happy either. Like one of the things right. we spent a lot of time on, so I'll tell you, you haven't talked to somebody in a year, right? On Twitter or Facebook. And like from a, you know, how do you talk to an API and get that data? That's trivial, right? How do you tell that story has so many layers to it. And the first part was like, oh, you haven't talked to Jay in a year, right? Okay. And then you think about, well, there's basically three reasons why that might happen. One is you fell out of touch and this software is reminding you and that's great. And maybe you say hi again. The second is you didn't want to talk to them. Wait, 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 wait. Why would that, is everything, are we cool? Why would that be? Well, exactly, right? Every range of human emotion could be the reason why. And so then you can't have the app be like, hey, you should get back in touch because it might be like, I don't want to. Yeah. And then the third part is somebody dies. And let me tell you, when you get that bug in your software where you tell us, like, get back in touch with your friend who passed away. Yeah. It's been a year. That's a serious bug. Yeah. That's way, way, way worse than like the math is wrong. And so we ended up, like the language I think in the particular one was like, isn't it amazing how time flies? It's been a year since you talked to Jay. And it was this sort of editorial challenge mm. of like, how do you, you're yeah. evocative. Like, you don't want to say nothing. You don't want it to be a greeting card. Well, it's almost like you're setting up like a little bit of a generic emotional phrasing. And the idea is mm -hmm. like you can overlay sort of that you miss them. Yeah, you can yeah. overlay it's crazy how long it's been, just time passes. Or a little bit of like, oh my gosh, we got to get back in touch. I remember like it's, yeah, it's actually yeah. almost perfect copy there for yeah. that problem. That's interesting. It only took getting it wrong three times and, and hurting people's feelings in three different ways before we got it right. That's kind of a, a very obvious example, but I think there are much smaller examples that happen in everyday life. I think I blogged a long time ago. When I noticed a certain app, which I will no longer name, but people can figure it out. The person who wrote it is famous. Anyway, it had a, <laughs> it had a, like a wizard to sign up for this thing. And it was like step, mm. step, step. And it had a lot of steps and you had to get them all exactly right. And it was like, some of them were literally putting in your bank account number and some of them, I mean, there were just a lot of, and in those days, I don't know if anybody remembers this. You'd probably have to be at least 30 years old to remember that <laughs> there was a time when the Netscape web browser, which was the only web browser anybody had, if you resize the window would go and resummon the page so that it could reformat it for the new size of your Netscape window. <laughs> so wow. we're talking like every resize did a refresh. Then. Yeah, very, okay. very, very. Got it. And even in those days, we had cookies and people had figured out how to do state on browsers so that you could remember where they were up to. And if somebody had inputted a bunch of data and then gone to the next page and then they went back, you could sort of repopulate that data. But this programmer had chosen not to do that because that work was too hard. And therefore... This program was written in such a way that every time you hit back or resize the browser, you were basically blown back to step zero. Nice. And you had to redo the whole thing all over again. And they got a lot of calls about this from customers saying, I had to redo the whole. And they were tired of these calls. So they put another, you know, a, a step zero or a step minus one in the wizard saying, do not press back and do not resize <laughs> your browser. And it was like in large font. And then it said, if you do... You will lose all your work and you will have to start again and you will call us and you will blame us, but it won't be our fault. It will be your fault. Problem solved. Problem solved. And of course, everybody still sure. made that mistake. 
yeah. because it's just human error and it's an obvious human error that anybody's going to make. Also, it's, the entire rest of the web taught them to do that. Exactly. And right, they continue yeah. to know how to do that and they do it as a motor. And so the only difference that that wizard step that they put in there actually accomplished was to make people feel Bill like Ward. it was their own fault. Mm-hmm. Instead of the programmer's fault, when yeah. it was the programmer's fault. Right. And who cares? The programmer's not there anymore. So who cares if it's your fault? Go ahead and take the blame. It was literally a dialogue that was put in there to make people feel bad in the world. And that was my sense is that like you have these kind of obligations to be ethical to yeah. people and treat them well. But emotional design is really hard. I mean, I look at yeah. even the shift from, you know, closing questions mm-hmm. on the site right now, right? Bum, and bum, oh, yeah, we, bum, bum, bum. yeah, we don't call it close anymore. We call it. That's on hold. The, that's the point, right? Like yeah. the shift from closing well, to on hold. We call it on hold for a while. And then it's closed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Compromise. for five days. Compromise. But I mean, that's all sort of emotional accommodation. It makes yeah. the site way better. Yeah. Right. Like for me, as I'm like the dumbest coder on the site. And so, like, all of a sudden, it's a place that I can participate in, even as a big dummy, <laughs> is, is really nice. Right. Because right. then, like, I have a chance to become not a big dummy. Yeah. So like for you, you should get a message that actually whenever you try to participate, it's like, we want you to know you're actually like the third biggest dummy on this side. Right. You, know, you think right, you're the worst. Right. You're trying to. <laughs> you're not I'd like you to feel better about that. We've run this. the numbers and you weren't quite. <laughs> right. Gentle head pat. But I, we still find there's lots of places still, right, all over that we're, we're encountering this. And actually, as we've had, we've got a PM now who's working hard at like going through a lot of this kind of user experience stuff. And we're running into all these places where there's a lot of through line of you did that wrong. Do it this way. Mm-hmm. And it's not mean. It's kind of flat. But being told over and over again, you did something wrong in a way that wasn't very anticipatable and like wasn't like badly intentioned or lazy, like it's just you'd never know that. It's a very like negative, daunting experience. And like some of the stuff people accomplish, is like, can we convey essentially something more like you did what most people do when they sit down to do something like this. Here's right. why we need to do it slightly differently. And well, it's, it's really fun to tell somebody else RTFM and it's never fun to hear it. Right. right. You think right. it's helpful when you tell someone else. Right, right, exactly. It's like <laughs> I pointed you at the FM. How is exactly. that not helpful to you? Right, right. Like, you're welcome. Mm. Even told you what to do with it. So I'm intrigued. You do a lot of, I don't say even social outreach, but you do a lot of charity work. You work with a lot of organizations mm. for good. Let me start with just an intriguing question to me. What are you proudest of, of all the stuff you've worked oh, on? Oh, gosh. Wow. That's like... <laughs> it's just such a crazy list. Like, it when is. You look it is back. A, it's a little random. So maybe a more useful way to sort of describe how these things thread together, which is... You know, I joke, like, I genuinely am not a very good coder. I was self-taught and made a living doing it because the bar is that low when there's enough demand. <laughs> and then as I kind of drift away, I was like, oh. it's easy. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm that the, the reverse example. You know, times like somebody's a good coder and they get promoted into management and they realize they're not as good at that. I was kind of the reverse. I was like, oh, this is a break. I can do this thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that bad about it. And then I realized, okay, there's all this sort of disconnect of we have all this power because we make software. That we like shift culture, we shift society, like the entire whatever, whether it's how you hail a taxi or order dinner or whatever, these things are all being changed by software. And yet, like most CS programs don't have like an ethics class or a civics class baked in. People Mm. care about it, but it's sort of this adjunct. Now, like you would never have like a law school that doesn't have an ethics class or... Yeah, naturally working pretty well. We found that to be super effective. Oh, sorry. And look how good the lawyers are. Love you, dad. But it was just a disconnect. And so it was like, okay, well, what are all the places where software or the tech industry is going to change things and they probably don't talk to anybody who actually has made a living as a coder Mm. and so aren't literate in these things and could use some information about connecting the dots because we always say oh well these people making these laws they don't know the first they think the internet's a series of tubes yeah 
It is actually, that's a pretty good metaphor. It's, there's worse metaphors for sure. The truck, <laughs> it's definitely not trucks. It's not like a big truck. I always kind of thought it's not a terrible metaphor for like <laughs> what actually happened. And then there's this sort of like, I wanted to do something local to my neighborhood and I live in the East Village. And so the Lower East Side Girls Club, you know, is like serving the neighborhood and they do a great job actually teaching technology to the girls, but like not sort of engaging with digital culture or the tech industry or whatever. Say with like the tech meetup here in New York is like, it's huge trade organizations, like almost 50,000 people that are members. And yet, you know, people don't really think of New York as a tech hub, although I think Joel and I have been saying it is for a dozen years. Yeah. And well, it's if a you lot repeat of it enough. Too. Yeah. Right. I think it's just too good at too many things. Yeah. That wouldn't be your first description of New York. I would use it as the set of the movie Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think yeah. too good at too many things is the description yeah. of New York. Ghostbusters is a tech startup. That's true. That's really true. We have an office oh. in London. So there's all these people who work for the mayor's office in London and are trying to promote London as a world-class tech city. And it's actually, the thing about London is that it's not the next Silicon Valley and they need to stop trying to make up Silicon mm, roundabout yeah. type names. It's The point is that it's a world-class city yeah. and therefore it has a gigantic tech presence where like, it does very, very well. Here's one of the great cities in the history of the world. Also yeah. internet. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> enough. Also a big system of tubes, really, yeah. if you think really. about it. They do. Yeah. They call it the tubes. tubes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's quite right. tube-like. Right. So going back, thinking about this sort of emotional design, one thing that sort of jumped out at me, I listened to a talk last week by the former COO of Ritz-Carlton. So he was, mm-hmm. ta- he was talking about basically his whole... Th- that's uh, not cra- the crackers. Cracker company. Yeah. No, no, that's we both thought that. The other one. <laughs> Straight anyway. dad joking over here. <laughs> Oh, well, well, well played, well played. <laughs> anyway, his whole thing, you know, he's talking about hospitality, right? And their whole brand is around hospitality and service, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking about basically every interaction and making sure every interaction you have yeah. from the, you know, the bus boy to that the bellhop and so on. That would have been interesting. Why did you not so invite on. me to this? Sorry. Were you just staying at a Ritz hotel or something? It was an example of how yeah, not to be right. hospitable. And he came, that was the service. He came <laughs> over and gave me a talk. Personalized right. talk about it. Yeah, yeah, because he thought it would be interesting to me. Because I am very curious about the Ritz-Carlton so it's service interesting. experience. Well, you know, what you said, basically, the, the things that are being taken away from people who actually knew something about that, you know, like hospitality and service and being put in the hands of programmers is mm. a little bit terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also like, even besides the sort of like customer service hospitality piece, like I think there are great coders at Uber. I have no question about that. I don't presume they know transit policy, mm-hmm. right? And so oh, that, no, they make. Yeah, right, I, well, that's I the think thing. It's, it's pretty clear that Uber <laughs> does not give principles. a poop about the current transit yeah, yeah. policy. Well, and that's <laughs> the thing. And so to leap into, well, now we know better. I'm like, well, there might no. have been good reasons. And not, that's not to say, obviously, you know, the taxi industry is also differently corrupt. But <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> yeah, yeah, much worse. And and so it's like, well, them being awful doesn't mean you're doing the right thing. And I think that's sort of like just us having the humility to say maybe. We know as little about these other industries as they know about tech. Ah, nah. Nah, <laughs> that can't be the case. <laughs> I've always said, like, one of my, my mantras is always that it's easier to teach a programmer business than a businessman programming. Mm-hmm. And that usually programmers can very quickly learn the basic rules under which these other systems work. They're usually not uh, well, right, but that's, super. That's in the, like, business thing. But, like, Zuckerberg gave $100 million to Newark schools. Oh, yeah. Like, when the movie him. came out. Well, but he's, Yeah. And it's just like it's gone. You, it's just buried in the ground. Nobody has buried. <laughs> like, <there's>, no, <laughs> like they just like they could yeah. have used it to like burn to heat the classrooms for the kids, and it would have done more. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, actually they did, but it was the bonfires of the hundred dollar bills were outside. Right. <laughs> just circle, Joel, I'm pretty sure I could summarize what yeah. you said a moment ago as. Yeah. The people who are most like me can figure out the simple crap the rest of you do much more easily, all of it, than <laughs> any one of you could figure out the one thing I do. That roughly, <laughs> is that, did I get that right? Yes. Okay, so good. Specifically, specifically to programmers. Oh, that's good, that's good. Right. I don't know that this would apply to uh, somebody who flips burgers at McDonald's. 
I actually think, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg has done a remarkable job of not learning certain things that are just obvious to, to Well, it's weird us. because he's progressed in a lot of ways. I guess. Like, he learned Mandarin. That's impressive. So, well, here's one of the things that I, you know, I can't... <laughs> I'm not one of you people who can talk about how you the people, industry... You people, nice! How you the, mean, you nice. old people who've you been people around for fleek, hundreds I think of years. He's talking to Indian people like you I heard that, yeah. So one of the things that I think has been a shift that I've seen is the shift towards design, towards designers specifically. Yeah, yeah. And I think that yeah. actually reflects this, that like, at some point, and really I think Apple drove this, we all started to recognize like, gosh, programmers are not good designers. Well, what happened is we finally got enough pixels that we could control, as opposed to just having like 80 by 25 text. That we needed designers to actually yeah, decide. I don't think so. I think we needed designers before that. We just didn't know we needed it. I remember when yeah. we were developing. And also, I, I there were, bring good, up old there history, were well-designed command line programs. There, yeah, that yeah. user experience design not so is not is not beauty, but they design is, can go together. But anyway, I see that as one area where we're like we've taken a step closer to actually recognizing like some people are better at this than others, and there's a real discipline here that is worth thinking about. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. about like. <laughs> we were working on fog bugs and it was a small team and we didn't have a full-time designer but really like the attitude towards design then was literally like okay we're gonna build this stuff and then maybe in like the last two weeks of the release we'll like get a freelance designer to come in and shine up the pixels a little bit yeah i was at a company that we used fog bugs and it was like i can see and the schema on the screen right like <laughs> yeah. the schema's here you can tell. And, then, and then there's some gradients over it right i mean you can so tell this good is good job communicating this is to you, you yeah exactly i mean but it's being used by but people that make it's software it's being used so. by programmers so right. you get away with yeah, it yeah exactly but i do feel like it that, was appropriate that's... but it was it was visible now at stack chain you know and we went at stack chain for a long time only having one fantastic designer but he can only do so much yeah. to counter the weight of dozens of programmers trying to do their own design you know it's Getting a real design team in and seeing what they're capable of, it's like night and day to me to recognize like, gosh, programmers are just not going to be good at this design and not just making it beautiful, but making it usable. I think there's an indescribable element there, David. I've seen with these RFCs, where we kind of write up the goals what we're doing and kind of what we're working toward and they help us to define what we want to achieve. And I've gone through ones where I'm like, ugh, this is too many steps. This is going to cause attrition. Like these questions are too hard to answer. And then I literally got to like the prototype the designer created and I felt none of those things. Like it all yeah. abstracted away into a flow. And there's a thing there you just can't, when you're saying, oh, there's an emotional, you know, it's a good example, maybe a medium, I would argue. What they basically wanted to do was take a harder form of communication that everyone seemed to be moving away from that had already basically had near long form text. Yeah, near yeah. Long, longer form. That, and there was a million things out here that basically did this, right? right? Blogger was not that different in many ways. I would right. argue Medium was a design and like emotional, like evocativeness yeah. pitch, and that's almost it. Well, and, and it just removed well, a lot of the massage. The medium is a massage? The medium is the massage. Oh, oh I see. I see. Uh, that's how the Britons wah, who are on wah, fleek say second, second physical recoiling no, a, of the yeah. day. By yeah. Marshall McLuhan I think Neil was going to say something actually interesting. <laughs> no, I, I just, I think there's that thing too that you learn about, does this feel good to use? Is sort of actually sometimes separate from the aesthetics of it. Right? There are apps I use yeah. that are ugly, but are just like fun. And I mean, I think to some degree, like MakerBase fits into that category where like I spent a lot of time thinking about like, how do you make it so you don't have to type anything to enter in a project and it's fun and you just keep staying in the flow. But it's not like particularly elegant. because mm -hmm. Who designed it? Mostly me. Really? And yeah, I mean, I, I did all the front end, but the... It looks great. I think it's very... Uh, the like the it. logo and stuff, which are beautiful, are Al Rochus is the designer we worked with, and, and he was able to sort of like, you know, we did it the wrong way, which is like doing, you know, the interaction and then try to make it look nice after. Well, you were the designer. I mean, yeah. you, you were thinking but about yeah. the things in that a, of, like, a user experience designer thinks about, the flow and, and making it simple and, it was deliberately and intuitive. Like, and... But, it, but that was it. It was like, how do we make some of these flows really, really optimized for making it easy to put data in? 
at the same time, it's like, it's not going to be pretty in some ways. And that's a trade-off. And I think that thing of like, at least knowing everything's always a compromise, knowing yep. where you're making the trade-off and the trade-off, I think historically was always in almost every app I ever used. Uh, well, if this frustrates somebody, that's the trade-off, right? Like it, the trade-off was like the coder's time over user convenience. And that's actually, I think most of the culture of tech writ large is this sort of like, well, this was easy for the software. I mean, going from command line into GUIs into, you know, touch UIs and whatever is this sort of begrudging 30 or 40 year march towards accommodating people. I think that's interesting. You know, I think we went through, well, we're still going through sort of this wild swing towards programmers where more and more things are being kind of eaten by software. But mm -hmm. I think the design move, I think is interesting because it it's starting to say, you know, programmers and code are good for a lot of things, but there's other disciplines that need to be brought in here. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think we're going to see more and more, you know, thinking about what, what's going to distinguish software is not necessarily the technology and the code behind it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's the, the emotional design and the anthropology yeah. of it, right? That, I mean, I think you see that even with Stack Overflow, right? That yeah. it's not... It's not the code. So many people yeah. have said, oh, I could clone Stack Overflow on a weekend, right. and and they can't. And, but the the people who have tried to just lift the code and drop it into a community and be like, here it is, go, um, you know, make community. They don't get it. There's something missing. Yeah, the there. example that I love the most is like Kickstarter, right? Where like most of it you can mm -hmm. build in like HTML2. It's a text box. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing there that's like this great leap forward of technical innovation, except that they've made this thing culturally that is like this huge signifier. Right. It represents, you know, this sort of, this entire model. I think that's really interesting where they're like, can you type in a description of a project and tell people to to chip in? I mean, you could have done that in 1997 easily. Yeah. Right. And it just wouldn't have been sort of designed for like, well, I'm I'm a musician, so I want to be here or I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. And I think Kickstarter is another example though, where like, if you describe it, it is a complete failure. Like, what if, imagine, <laughs> if you could buy things before they exist and you could <laughs> yeah. pledge but, your but you money get them. now yeah. right. and they may never be finished, but if <laughs> they are, you will be locked in and pay for them before you are even sure if they will work or anyone has touched right. them. You know what sucks about buying things? You can only buy the things that already exist. Right, you can't pay way before, <laughs> way before they fail. But what Kickstarter didn't, and it's still, if you pay attention, it doesn't say like pre-order. Oh, no, no, they're very adamant about not being a store. It, it's an emotional story. Kickstarter is being part of building something that excites you. You buy hope. They sell, right? they, sell, they sell hope. Right, right. And that goes back to the emotional, like if you describe its function, yeah. It's a terrible story, yeah, but it's yeah. exciting to feel like you were part of the creation of something in a way yeah. that you can't normally with money. I was a part of the creation of a podcast today. <laughs> That's <laughs> that you should go to Makerbase and uh, take yeah. that to the world. Yeah. So one of the things I like, you, you're somebody who takes a lot of time talking about various social issues that interest mm. you. And I think all kinds of like Makerbase too, I can see, I think, you, I think you've written about this a bit, but it's obvious on the site too, the featured makers, you know, we worry about role models and visible people. It feels oh, yeah, like sure. you're working hard to make sure all different kinds of people are kind of recognized. Mm -hmm. I'm a little interested in sort of what, an observation first is one of the things I really like about the stuff you talk about is there's a lot of people out there who talk about social issues, who expose me to new things, make me think differently. Mm -hmm. There's some people who sort of have very strong opinions and share their opinions. There's some people who amplify others. You do a little bit of both of that. Mm. What I don't see a lot of that, you do a lot of that I really like. It's very rare I see people talking about issues and trying to get others to talk about issues who are actively and publicly listening. You ask questions that are not like, could someone possibly, like, they're not fake questions, they're not leading mm. questions. You are often actually asking questions where you seem to be trying to learn something. 
and then sharing the answers. And I don't see that a lot in people trying to confront issues in public much. Thanks. That's very kind. I hope that's true. Honestly, I look at it a little bit like I look at Stack Overflow, right? Which is... Yeah, I love that. I didn't even know it, he was going to go there. That's no, great. it's true. I mean, it's sort of... Here's a thing that I <laughs> I think is important, like for like being a coder. It's important to me. It's something I've done my whole life long. And it's also something that I know almost everybody I know who does it is better at it than I am. <laughs> and yet they're willing to be extremely generous and share their knowledge with me. So like that's my model of like how I've learned everything I do. That's how I have my entire career or whatever else. So then if there's an issue I care about, and it's like, oh, okay, I care about that we are, you know, affording everybody opportunity in tech. I don't presume to know how that's done. Like I didn't go to college. Like I'm no expert. I don't know how this Remember, stuff works. Remember kids, don't go to college. Right. Yes. I went to college. They don't cover that. Drop out. <laughs> Drop out now. <laughs> Your college didn't have that? Uh, yeah, it may have been a major for it, but I didn't take any, any classes in that. But I mean, the point is like, you know, there isn't a textbook on it, right? Like there isn't some place to go and be like, oh, well, there's a Kindle single. And then all of a sudden you'll know. <laughs> Kindle single always where I go. Yeah, when I want to learn you. something. That's my, it's, like a, it's a fine format. I don't mean to turn it so into a punchline. I just go to YouTube and search for some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I, like how stuff works has like fixed the tech industry. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, so it's a genuine question because I don't know. And there are people yeah. who are like. It's extraordinary. There's people that are like, well, I have a PhD in this and I've spent years researching it. And, you know, here's how these systems work. And they'll sort of share, they'll just share everything. And and here's like a paper and you can read it. And if you have questions, I'll answer your email. People are like, not just willing to answer, but like effusively, extraordinarily generous. Hmm. And you're like, well, shame on me if I don't take advantage of that. I think that's true in any kind of nerdy endeavor Mm -hmm. where it's sort of the land of geekdom where people are very excited about something that they love to talk about. When they talk about it among their friends and family, everybody yawns. Yeah, they roll their eyes. Yeah. yeah. Ask me anything about a jet engine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not kidding. I'm, listeners, don't I'm ask, literally don't yawning ask. and rolling my eyes at or the same the thing time. Or airline schedules. Like, I've been around people where, like, I'll be with a friend and then somebody doesn't know me, and the person who doesn't know me will mention Prince, and then the friend will be like, oh, God. Yeah, you know, like they're just like, yeah. oh no, like back up, like they just back up, they like pop like, on a couch and yeah. shake their head back yeah, and forth. Just like, I think that's the reason it's like go. you're so excited to have somebody that actually cares as much about jet engines or prints or airline timetables. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. just interested in hearing about it. Yeah, yeah, but well, yeah, or can pretend. But I look at like when Paul Ford wrote that "What Is Code" article for Bloomberg. Like, if you mm-hmm. go deep enough into anything, like, and you just kind of completely let your nerd flag fly, like, then people are like, "All right, I'll go with you." You know what I mean? Like, 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 it's only when you get like fully into it that they're like, "All right, this is something." Where, like, I I wrote a piece about um, "Purple Rain," the song, because like this is the Prince song everybody knows, but yeah. it's like ten seconds at a time of the entire song, and it's like four thousand words long. Like, the part I cut was about how highway policy in Minneapolis in the seventies impacted the oh, makeup of the band. This is a great article. This is like that story. It starts with the two women, like yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's yeah, great. Yeah. It's great. And, but like I cut out the like the how highway policy influenced the story. Like that was where that was, <laughs> that was too much. <laughs> that was like a bridge too far. Somebody somebody can get a PhD for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't have to use <laughs> that out. I'd like to make sure that Dwight D. Eisenhower gets sufficient credit for the interstate highway system. You <laughs> exactly. can add him on Maker Bay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's, the thing is like I want to add him right now. Maker Bay dot say. I don't know. Say. Anyway, the point is like, okay. so Paul wrote that, like, what is code? And I think every person I know Tweeting. who like already knows what code is still read it because they're like, how do you tell the others? How can we show them our land? You know, and, yeah. and you sort of invite them in. And that thing is just exciting. Like, I think when people nerd out, like, there's nothing better than just like, all right, like, here's the fire hose of nerddom coming at me. And that's going to be exciting. Hmm. Maybe. Speaking of the fire hose of nerddom. Should I um, sign off? 
Or do we have anything else? Well, it was great having Anil. Do we have any routine stuff that we were supposed to cover? Nah, we got a guest. So much less interesting than Anil. So, Anil, what should our users do? So, everyone can follow Anil at, you're at Anil Dash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're no longer dashes.com. No, I moved to Anil Dash. This is actually Did Paul Graham super, make you feel bad? No, super secret exclusive. I actually was planning, it's like not to something I was going to announce until, yeah. Ooh, ooh, this is exciting. Oh, oh somebody's looking at his HTTP headers. I turn 40 next month and my sort of birthday present. Child. My, thank you. Took you long enough. <laughs> I know. It literally took decades. My birthday present to myself was I was going to move everything over to Nail Dash because that's what everybody thinks my site should be anyway. Huh. And so I started, I was like, gosh, I got to, like, there's a whole bunch of work around this. So I just started doing it already because I'm like, I'm going to break links and I'm going to break site. And I don't want it to be totally down when I tell people I moved. But now you get a preview. You really know how to party it up. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> break all your links. It's very exciting. Well, there's 16 years of archives. Like, break, like yeah. two weeks ago was, was 16 I don't even, I, anniversary. I was really wow. worried. I used to have joel.editthispage.com yeah, for the first yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah. And when I finally changed it to Joel on software, I went to remarkable efforts to make the old yeah. edit this page thing redirect. Yeah, I mean, I didn't do any like did huge hoops, of. but it was like some redirects. And there's like a couple pieces that I wrote that people like reference or cite or whatever. Yeah. And then I was like, okay. So yeah, that's exciting. So the big challenge now, though, is what if your son wants to take over the site before it would have totally worked? And I have, he uh, can have I have, I have his domain. Oh, his ah, you're on, you oh. are. See, this is this is how you become a Neil Dash. Yeah, is yeah. you are ready for that kind of we thing. We checked the really Twitter handle and the domain and everything before we picked his name. It's yeah. going to be hilarious when when these kids actually grow up and they're like, you know, that's like. When your dad tried to take you fishing or something. It's oh, like, yeah. It's like he's all gonna, that, like your bite by. I thought that, but he's actually like, he likes the iPad and he likes Star Wars. Like, I'm like, oh man, I made a nerd. Because like, I wouldn't <laughs> know what to do if he was like, I'm really into athletics and I've, oh man, I got nothing. He's going to be like, why did you give me the Twitter handle? Only old people use Twitter. It's like, like, it's like oh, my, for sure. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally. like my dad gave me the adding machine he knew would inspire me when <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. a young it's man. It's like when you were born, I bought you this pocket calculator. So it would be 20 years out of date by the time you... <laughs> yeah. I'm like, just to be clear, your joke is a thing that came way after. I actually had adding machines to kids, so I hate you. Wow. I'm very excited to find out which ways I embarrass him. I think it's <laughs> a, way, safe, a safe every bet. Possible it's, way. Yeah, it's all of them. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be yeah, all of them. Yeah. So you can follow Neil on, on his new new website, neildash.com, on mm -hmm. Twitter. Uh, join MakerBase. Share what yeah, you've please. done there. If you are active on the social, the, the media is all the, the kids. Check out ThinkUp. I do think it's a pretty... Uh, Snapchat. Pretty, you could Snapchat, Snapchat Neil. Snapchat Neil. Yeah. So what, and what's the one thing, if people want to use their powers for good, Neil, what should oh, they do? Gosh. The biggest thing is to ask yourself what you are probably getting wrong and who can help you get it right. I think that's it. That's well, that's what we know. did. <laughs> <laughs> that was way too deep. We thought you were going to come here and tell us what was wrong with each of yeah. us. Yeah. That's what we were hoping for. I was looking for something like More specific. donate $5 to some cause so I could be done and not have to worry about it and not have to like change myself. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, Joel, stop being Joel. racist against that one group. You know who it is. <laughs> David, <laughs> Dutch. Pleated the pants. Dutch. Pleated pants are done with. You can't wear them anymore. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to do my own. Pants. Pleated really pants. Wow. That Just imagining a Neil comes pants. in and is like ready to tell you the one thing. I wear to jeans fits. and a hoodie literally every single day. You know this. I do. And still looking good in them, man. You're really rocking them in a way that. Yeah. Uh, Neil doesn't know this because I dress up for the hoodie. board meeting by wearing a polo shirt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't tell. Yeah, you know, I can see like the marks of the hoodie but, on you. Like, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm now yeah. envisioning David like ironing his one shirt with a collar <laughs> every, that's, every that's, board meeting day. That's actually really close to reality. <laughs> Kate's just shaking that's, her head. That is very close to reality. I've got like, I think I might have three, but it's uh, not. Yeah, I should just start requiring people to dress up for the board meeting. Ball gowns. We thought we were. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's going to work. TRI.
<laughs> I, see, I feel like if I dress up too much, I'm the, what do you call me, VP of programming? Yeah. Like, I will get less respect. If I wear a suit, no, true. people, I yeah, get yeah. less respect. They're that like, would be who weird. the heck, this guy must not know anything. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've like got a, really a hoodie and, and jeans. Yes. Uh, you think yeah. less so, respect is really a risk you got to worry a lot about these thanks, days? Jay. I'm thanks, Jay. I appreciate that. that. Okay. Yeah. The slumpier your clothes are, the more respect you must deserve. How did you guys meet? Is that a weird question? Internet. <laughs> well, we're bloggers going way back. Well, yeah. that's so you're both bloggers, both there New York City actually, guys. At the secret uh, you blogger. You know what? I know this. the answer. There was a blogger dinner in late 2000 that really? Cam Barrett pulled together. Cam World? Cam World, Cam Barrett. And it had... Uh, and it's I probably, forgot him. Where, does he, uh, where his, has he gone? He's still around. His URL changed. Don't go to the original Cam World because it is what you fear it is. <laughs> a bunch of cameras. And he pulled the, he's this, on Twitter. This is an amazing thing. Is he pulled together? He's like, I want every blogger in New York to come to dinner, and we fit around two tables. <laughs> <laughs> at the, uh, at wow. the and I want to say it was in. He had a great blog, and I followed it. Yeah, he was. Yeah, well, he had the first sort of blog role with a list of everybody. And it was a pretty. It was a very early blog. Yeah, very authoritative. Very authoritative, but then it disappeared, and now it's got. Uh, Cameras, yeah. Video, anyway, uh, and so I, I'm almost positive that's where we met because that was where I met pretty much everybody that was blogging then. And this would have been like mid 2000. Oh, good lord! Sorry, you really, so really don't go you, to Gamble. <laughs> oh my goodness! Sorry. Now the IT team is going to have to come uh, talk to you. I really, I told you, don't. <laughs> what has been seen cannot be unseen, Joel. Well, I just thought maybe he kept a domain name or something, and then we. And he um, literally told you what to he expect. Did. He, did. <laughs> he did. But yeah, no, we crossed paths there. And then I think you and Jeff reached out when the site was an idea. We're going to do this thing. And I was like, yes, like anything that solves that problem is good for me. And then the last next thing I heard was like, what do we think of this name? <laughs> you actually, uh, that's not true. You gave us the idea for how to come up with a name in that's the first right. place. That's right. Because Jeff. Asked you for advice on a name. Yeah, we were at Microsoft. Microsoft was having an open source event. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> That's funny. That was yeah. also fit around two tables. Exactly. <laughs> it literally was. This back, especially back then. And yeah, and I, I actually remember there was like a break and Jeff said, we're doing this site. And I said, you know, it has to be something that speaks to coders yeah. and is not like clickish, but just like, so you know who it's for. Like an inside, it had to be like an inside, like a word yeah. of art or something yeah. like that, yeah. I guess. It's like something that coders will recognize as being a word that yeah. is meaningful to them yeah. and that they will also recognize as being not meaningful to people outside of mm -hmm. the coding world. And that was brilliant. And that's what we went for. It was better than my idea, which was ZipQA. Yes, <laughs> I do net. remember that. Was that really? a real idea? Yeah. On the well, negative side. It was just side, a domain we could get. Naming is It is hard. now impossible to get help if your actual problem is a Stack Overflower. It's like yeah. completely, there's no, <laughs> no. There's zero ability to fight. You got to put minuses still in your queries. my favorite and, emails. And, uh, yeah. Or, or if the you have team. a ZipQA error. Yeah. yeah, also, also. <laughs> well. All right. Well, we'll save all the exciting product feature announcements that we are going to talk about for next week. Okay, good. Because we don't have any. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's exciting product announcement? Well, you've gone and wasted another hour of your life listening to Stack Exchange Podcast 67, recorded Tuesday, August 11th, 2015 at Stack Exchange headquarters. This podcast was brought to you by the Stockwell Garage in Stockwell, <laughs> London, England. Celebrating the unique but often forgotten beauty of brutalist architecture projects from the 1950s. <laughs> For Jay Hanlon, David Fullerton, Anil Dash, Maker Bay, Maker BA dot SE. Check it out. Sign up with your projects in this. Everybody knows who built them. Audio editor David Greenlee, remote desktop connection producer Abby, and vacationing producer Alex Miller, who is with us in spirit alone. I'm Joel Spolsky. Goodbye. Bye. 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 
Baker Base. Maker Base. I was going through that Ashley Madison onboarding teardown, and unbeknownst <laughs> oh, to me, my wife was listening to the live stream and <laughs> tweeted, <laughs> tweeted, are you signing up for Ashley Madison? Wow. Dude, I'm deleting Grinder right now. <laughs> you spent an awful lot of time trying to emphasize how it's your first time going through this teardown and learning how Ashley Madison works. Like, we got it. That's You've what never I thought I was there. trying to I was to surprised. Convey. I love user onboarding. It's a great site. I was surprised they did Ashley Madison. I don't really know why. It's I mean, a it's very like, big site. Like, you should go through the teardown because the point at the end of the teardown is that 80 screens in and it turns out to be a scam. It's trying to upsell you and yeah. it's pretty close to like, it's plastered with scummy ads and yeah. they're sending you fake messages to try to get you to upgrade and it's at the GoDaddy level i mean they do actually yeah probably i can't believe they're not ethical it's weird <laughs> <laughs> my gosh it's nothing sacred erase all this part i don't know what just happened i don't either strike that from the record i just want to make sure everybody only listening on audio knows we all physically recoiled congratulations to those of you who heard this live since you're the only ones who'll ever hear that